Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Hey everybody, this is Nick from the Nick and Nolan Show. I just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up here before this episode starts. Something unusual happened with my microphone. I don't know exactly what it was, but somehow I lost power as we were speaking. And so the microphone still captured my voice. You could still understand everything I'm saying, but my voice dropped so it became deep, almost like those people that are interviewed on 2020 and they black them out and they change their voice so that they're anonymous because they don't want to have their identity revealed. That's kind of what I sound like for pretty much the last hour of the show. So I sincerely apologize for that. I hope it's not too distracting for you. Luckily, you can still understand everything I say and Bruce's microphone was unaffected. So without any further ado, just wanted to give you a heads up on that and ask you to please be patient with us and forgive us for that, but I hope that you still enjoy the show anyways. You're listening to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan. Yo, brethren, what up with thee? Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. That is correct. And here we are. Here we are. Eight and three. Eight and three. Feels I, good. Yeah, I feel like there should be the Paul Rudd, you know, Thing oh, going around, yeah, us, right? yeah, yeah. You need that. We need that soundbite. Okay, here. I think uh, I think we can. I think we can make that make that work. Eight and three, Bruce. Eight and three. Eight and three. Check. I mean, come on. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Well, I think that it. This feels really good to me. This eight and three. I feel better at eight and three than I felt at seven and three. And that would you know, oh, duh. That make that makes sense. Duh. But. Do you feel better than you did at five and one? I feel better than I did at five and one, yes. And I feel better because there are some specific things I was very worried about. I was very worried about dropping games to the the slappy opponent. The slap quotient is, would be high, as 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 Matthew Fairburn and Joe Bascalia would say. Uh, a couple of slappies, right? The Washington Redskins, the Denver Broncos. We did lose one of those to the Cleveland Browns, and I think are the Cleveland Browns slappies? I don't actually think so, but I think that's how it was received at the time. They certainly were perceived to be slappies, but the the Dolphins twice, the Redskins, the Broncos. Those are games that you're looking at the opponent at the time, and you're thinking there really there there really shouldn't be much of a of a contest here. And moving forward, 
the opponents are of a different, they're cut of a different cloth, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, not uh, not quite the same as the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos coming up on starting on Thanksgiving. Not no, I not similar. <laughs> no, no, uh, different, different. And I think that the the level of optimism around what these games are going to be on the record is a little bit lower. There, but at the same time, I'm more comfortable. Because if we lose those games, they're not going to sting in the same way. I'm not going to feel embarrassed if we lose these games. At least these next two. The Steelers, to be determined. The Steelers have, uh, they've got some issues. Are you sure you want to commit to a future feeling without seeing how that unfolds? What if we get blown out by 50 points? Yeah, I mean, sure. There, there, is, there are ways that it could, that it could hurt but the ways that I imagine the game going, there's a certain, you know, I think there's a spectrum. When you, for me, when I look at a game that we're playing on Thursday, say, against against the Cowboys, which my biggest complaint is that they get an extra practice day because we have to travel on Wednesday while they get to prepare, which doesn't seem fair. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. On Saturdays when teams travel, the home team, are they are they doing anything on that day, do you know? Um, sometimes there's walkthroughs. That's it. Okay, yeah. I just think in a short week, even the walkthrough or the classroom time is is really really coveted, and you know whatever. But sh- there there is a spectrum of acceptability when I approach a game. We could lose in such a way, we could win in such a way, and these will be within my realms of expectation. And then if you go outside of that, that is where you get into these territories of really upsetting or really exciting like euphoric yeah yeah or real like like visceral negative experience right good great grand wonderful but you don't come in expecting or accepting how you will feel with those things because they're not within your spectrum how i would feel about what things the things that are outside your spectrum Oh, sure. I like mean, losing by 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, that that would hurt, but that would hurt, you know, that could hurt either way. Like, I, I can't really control that. I, I think that I assign in my mind such a significantly lower percentage chance that it will go that way because just football games typically don't go that way. It's the, the game is competitive. The NFL is competitive. I don't believe that this is a... As bad of a team as we could potentially think they were. You know, I, I don't expect us to go into this game and get rolled by expectation the way that the Broncos fans went into this past game against us. Man, the Broncos fans. You know, I'm not usually this petty on Twitter. I'm not usually, in fact, I'm not usually petty at all. The Broncos fans pressed a specific button on Bruce that just unleashed all sorts of petty. I don't know what it was about the Broncos fans this week because there are insane fans of all sort of calibers. There are insane Buffalo fans. And there's something about them this week that just, I would say, rubbed me the wrong way. But it's not even quite that. It pressed a specific button on me that activated catty, petty, rub your nose in it, Bruce. And I'm usually not like that. I'm usually a much more laid back, forgiving sort of guy. But none of them asked for forgiveness, so none of it will be granted. <laughs> the Broncos fans really—they um, really showed some colors. That's that's all. I, guess, I guess that's all I'll say about that. 
how do you think how do you do you feel any differently right now about this team than you did like right after the Browns game? No. Now we we've beaten up on two bad teams. Nope. But it hasn't moved the needle for you at all. Nope. I feel so much better that the games against the teams that losses would really hurt are behind us. We could lose to the Cowboys in if it, and if it's a competitive reasonable game, I'll go. I, I knew that was going to be a tough one. I thought we were an 8-8 eight eight team and I thought we would drop a game or two that we probably should have won. What instead happened was we're a team who hasn't dropped any of the games that I thought we should have won. That's the only difference. Isn't that doesn't that say something though? Is that not is that not meaningful Season's data? It's not over yet. Sure, but there's so not if a, we drop the, two games that I feel like we should win. Do you, are there two games left that you feel like we should win? Yes, there are two games left. That I feel like we absolutely should win. The Steelers, the Steelers and, the and the Jets. Okay. And if we drop the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Ravens, somewhat irregardless of how we drop them, that doesn't do anything for you. Nope, because that was expected for me. See, for me, I think I'm in the similar camp to you, but it does a lot for me that we haven't dropped those games yet. It does a lot. to only have. That's two- the key. Yeah. Yet. We haven't dropped them yet. So if we get to the end of the season and we didn't drop any games that we were supposed to win, then I'll go... Okay, I, my needle has been moved now. We're ten and six, hmm. right? But the needle hasn't moved yet because we haven't. I, I, I'm <laughs> it's almost not over yet. I think I'm almost getting. I'm almost starting to interpret. Okay, the Bills can handle inferior opponents. It's a little bit like trash talk for me. So I'm not a trash talker. Okay, so I've never been a trash talker in anything I've ever done. I've never been a trash talker until it's over. Once it's over, then I'm a trash talker. But I don't talk at all. Before or during. When I used to play pickup basketball or when I competed in high school or when I played football, I was completely silent until the game was over. Once the game was over, then I'd talk a lot. I would pull a Shaq Lawson and start yelling at you about how what you remember me now. You know who I am now, right? That was that was me when I played sports. And it's that's been me competitively my entire life. I don't talk until it's over. So it's the same way I feel now. We haven't dropped any games that I felt like we should have won yet. And if we get to the end of this year and we haven't done that, I'm going to talk. I w- see, I, I, I already expected that we would have by now. And even the game we dropped, quote unquote, would be against the Browns, right? That's a game we dropped. Now, the, the Eagles was a game that I think we, uh, you and I felt bad matchup. And we also thought the Browns was were a bad matchup. You, yeah. picked, the, you picked us to lose to the Browns. I did. I, I still think that that game, that game hurts a little bit. I, 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 would, I would like that one back. I think that we, we, we didn't put our best selves out there. With the Eagles, it almost sort of felt like we could have played better and still lost. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Significantly. With that. So yeah, I, I I this has this has gotten me to a point where there's a reprieve now. For two weeks, we could go 0 and two, and it doesn't really change my opinion of the team. That little bit of breathing room is is comforting to me. I, I don't know how else to say it. One of the things that you are famous for is talking about how your appetite for certain things as a fan changes when you're actually in it. Oh, yeah. I'll be very interested Uh to see if that thing you just said now, that we can go 0-2 and it won't change anything. I'll be very interested to see, get back to you, after 
those two games if it goes that way. It it depends on how it looks, of course. And we'll see. And we'll see. But if it if it's a relatively competitive game and there are a couple of things that don't go our way and, you know, dropped passes or or penalties or something along those lines that that cost you at the end, which they they cost teams games every single week. I I I will also be interested, but right now I I feel as though my reality. What's your what's your equation? Expectations. Expectations minus reality equals disappointment. My expectations, feeling like right now my expectations are in a place where the reality could be, the reality would have to be pretty extreme for me to to experience the disappointment on the other end. So your expectations for the next two games are extremely low then. Yeah, I okay. think that I think they might be. We'll talk about the bat. We'll talk about that Dallas game. All right, let's do it. The before we move on, I, the defense for the Broncos. That's a big one. Yes. This 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 was an exciting offensive performance against a unanimously highly thought of defensive unit. Absolutely, the Broncos defense isn't a slouch. I love how we're trying to rewrite history now. There's a bunch of people who are haters who are trying to diminish the Bills' win by saying, oh, it was a trash team. Okay, Denver's not a very good team, but that doesn't mean their defense isn't very good. Their defense is good. It was ranked fourth for a reason. They're a good team with a good defense. They're well-coached. Vic Fangio is a very strong defensive mind, and we put up 400-plus yards of offense on him. If you are trying to diminish this offensive performance for the Bills, you're showing me something because you're trying too hard. You're just trying too hard at that point. We should just accept that this was a good defense. Well, let's see him let's see him do it against a good defense. Okay, he did it against a good defense. Specifically talking about Josh Allen. Okay, now what? Had had a a really exciting game against a good defense. He had a perfectly fine game. I mean, so this is one of the things, right? He had what, 190 yards pass, 185 yards passing. Yeah. Okay, if it had been 300 yards and the team looked terrible, otherwise, would you be happy? Like the 300 yard, you know, measurement stick is just. Hey, you and I were talking about it. I, I he threw the ball 25 times. It feels it. Yeah, I mean, it feels really good to see. The passes, the two touchdown passes. I mean, those were those were good. Both of those were very, very, very good. Now, to be fair, his interception was a little funky, but that his interception wasn't the worst throw of his day. The worst throw of his day again was to his left, where he should have gotten picked off. Now, quick, quick, uh, you know, editor's correction. Nick and I talked last week about Josh Allen's statistics from 2018 being terrible going to his left. I was actually mistaken. It's actually going to his right. That's so bad. Uh, so, quick editor's correction on that one. I was flying blind off of a tweet that I had recalled seeing. And then I went back and found the tweet. And I was like, nope, it was the other direction. So, yeah. Right. But this game, it was Josh Allen almost threw another pick six to his left. So he had a couple throws that he wanted back, obviously. But Josh Allen played fine. Both of those plays to John Brown and Cole Beasley for the touchdown, both of them were really, really good plays. And... The Denver defense is not a joke. It's just not. So if you want to try to say that there's things you didn't like on the offense, I'm I'm willing to listen in the micro level. But if you're trying to blanketly state that none of this stuff counts because it was against a terrible team, I'm just going to ignore you. 
because you're trying too hard. You're coming in with a narrative and you're trying to desperately fit that square peg in that round hole. I got nothing for you guys. I just got nothing for you. It was a good game by the offense. Do we still want to fire Byron Dable? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> Do we still want to fire Brian Dable? Not with that sentient mustache he has. I said that he deserved criticism for certain things, and he did. I also said firing was stupid. Well, he should also deserve some praise when those things are addressed, yes? He should, but he's not going to be. He's not going to, because... Well, we can, we can praise him. Did he address any of your primary complaints that he deserved blame for? Yes. The, the offense, one of my main complaints about Brian Dable was he was trying to do too many things. Well... The last couple of weeks, we have seen, I don't want to say the, the I word, but identity. We've seen an identity from the offense. This is an 11 personnel, three wide receiver team that runs out of one back, okay? Runs play action, and when it goes shotgun, uses RPOs and zone read. That's, we're doing, I, I mentioned this on the Rock Power Report podcast that I was on. Shockingly enough, when... Brian Dable decided to ask Josh Allen to do things he's good at with people he's good at doing them with. We saw offensive success. It's weird how it works like that, but he deserves credit. Also, this is about the time last year when Brian Dable said, screw it, let's just go air raid. And everything was vertical. We saw that big offensive YOLO, Josh. It was about this time last year. So there's some reason to think that Brian Dable just kind of Took a minute to figure it out. And it took a while for the offense to gel and for him to find the things that would work because this offense is not the same as it was at the end of 2018. How big of a deal is it that Brian Dable being up in the booth and being in Allen's head until 15 seconds left on the play clock is giving him some... He's like, Dable's telling him, okay, this is their alignment. Like, he, like he's... You have a second pair of eyes telling you what is happening. I think it matters a little bit. I don't think it's a like a monumental thing, but I think it matters. I think it matters a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I prefer my coordinators in the booth for that exact reason. It also is a more emotionally sterile environment. You don't have players yelling at you about it's, things. It almost seems not fair. 15 seconds almost seems too like that's very generous in my mind. It is very generous. And a lot of people tease Jared Goff because he's got. Sean McVay telling him where to throw the ball based on their alignments all the way up to 15 seconds. Now, I don't think, you know, Brian Dable is that, but think about the things that we've seen from Josh Allen over the last couple of weeks. Think about the the play to John Brown where he openly said, hey, you know, we noticed him getting cheating a little bit. John Brown went to the coaching staff and said, hey, we're running this route and Chris Harris is getting a little nosy. He's getting a little cheaty. And so... Josh Allen was like, fine, let's let him do that, and then we'll use a double move for a touchdown, and we did. What What exactly, let's take a break there, because I don't know that everybody's going to know exactly what we're talking about. I, my understanding of it is that John Brown was running a, a route pretty consistent. It was a slant or a comeback of some kind. It was a break at the top of his route. Yeah, it, it was, it was a, it wasn't, it was a deeper slant, yeah. And so, as soon as he would make that cut, it, that's, that's a time that a lot of times quarterbacks that's where they want to deliver the ball is right there and so Chris Harris after a certain number of times of John Brown doing the same thing in front of him he started to close quicker than would be maybe the most disciplined way to do it mm -hmm. in order to attempt to make a play on the ball if it, if it was there right and 
So John Brown said, "Hey, this is what he's doing. Maybe we can give him the old, uh, the old okie doke, the old okie doke, the old, the old one two double move." Yeah, and so he he faked that he faked that route. Chris Harris put himself out of position and bit on it and changed his body position, and John Brown kept going. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So whether you want to call it a deep slant or a flag or whatever you want to call it in your particular offensive system, it is it's what you hear. People call a sluggo for a slant and then a go route, right? You you can hear that. There's lots of terms for different types of double moves. This particular double move was just a vertical version of an in-breaking deeper route. So Chris Harris openly said, hey, they ran this route multiple times, and I was trying to make a play. And when you're down like that, you are trying to make a play. The... The team is up 13-3 at the time. If Chris Harris makes a play and stops us from scoring a touchdown, maybe gets a pick, takes it the other way, it's a game again. So you got to understand that this is the time when they're going to try and get a little itchy. And John Brown knew that this was you know, a possibility and good on Josh Allen and the coaches for recognizing that and calling the double move off of it. It's yeah. a recognition of what you're seeing. And some of that is in regards to Dable being able to be in the booth and see things like that. Yeah. The second touchdown to Cole Beasley is uh, that that would that was a good that, that was, was a better play. That was good quarterbacking, right? That was great quarterbacking. That was really good quarterbacking. The John Brown touchdown is good throw. You, yeah. But John Brown beat his man. I mean, he was like, like a rented mule. All he had to do was was put it there and yes. it was done. The Cole Beasley touchdown, there's a lot more going on. Cole's Beasley was not his first read. Absolutely not. And that was not a very long developing play cuz Allen got taken to the floor at what 3.25 seconds. So what did what did you see on that play? So this is a scenario where Allen actually has to work his way across the formation, which is one of the things that makes this more impressive. Now it wasn't far left to far right but it was Cole Beasley pretty clearly not being the first read I think uh, if I'm recalling correctly Dawson Knox would have been the first that's read. that's what it looked like to me and Dawson wasn't there they took him away and then Josh Allen pans to the right and puts it in a pretty good spot with a guy barreling down on him on third down and he got out of trouble with his arm. We've talked about this before. That One of my problems with over-athletic quarterbacks is they always think they can get out of trouble with their feet. And Josh Allen, he he had to have seen the guy because his eyes literally passed through the dude on his way to Cole Beasley. He knew he was getting hit. But he said, you know, if I know that if Dawson's covered, I think there's something here. So I'm not going to panic. I'm going to turn. And I think that there's going to be a space here because the only reason why there is no space for Dawson Knox is because there's space for Cole Beasley. It's a little bit of the recognition mentally of the reason why that is not open. And that's important. It almost creates binaries for the quarterback because in a quarterback's mind, sometimes Sam Darnold said famously that he was seeing ghosts against the Patriots. Boom. Sometimes you look out there and you think there's 27 defenders 
Because everywhere you look, there's someone. And you're like, this isn't right. How can there be 27 people on the defense? <laughs> Something's not right. And you start to see panic in the quarterback's eyes. One of the things that Josh Allen did great on that play is he recognizes, list. there's only 11 of them. There's only X amount in coverage. The reason Cole Beasley's going to be open is because Dawson Knox is not. It's that recognition that the defense can't cover everything for everyone. They have to give you something. There is not, there's no way that a defense can take away everything. Now, you might not have the appropriate route called to take advantage of what the defense is giving you. That's a possibility. But Josh Allen's like, no, 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 no. See, that's not how this is going to work. See, I wanted to go to Dawson. You won't let me go to Dawson. But because you didn't let me go to Dawson, I'm going to Cole. It's a, it's that's a, quarterback play at a high level. It's a very cerebral kind of quarterback play. Yes. And that's a, extremely encouraging. It's every bit as encouraging as the John Brown spot concept honey hole throw from last week. Every bit is encouraging. That is upper level quarterback play. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, th- this is one of the reasons why, like some of the games that are up ahead that that are against inferior opponents, that I feel good about because I feel better about Josh Allen now than I did 11 weeks ago. That's fair. There's a lot of things about this team that I feel like we have learned in 11 weeks. And those things are, they're, they're mentally positioning me to feel better about how we could handle the inferior opponents that are ahead of us. So is Josh Allen the guy, Nick? I'm not ready to say <laughs> I am. I, I, am, I am ready to call him Diet Dr. YOLO. Diet Dr. YOLO, Josh. He is not Dr. YOLO. He is, which would be what? Mega Josh, right? Mega Josh. He's not Mega Josh. I can't say he's Mega Josh. But we are seeing precision. We saw some deep stuff. We saw him stand in the pocket and take a shot. We saw him scramble and do some exciting things. Those are... Those are Dr. Yolo. Like that's 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 a little bit of both. I have to put the diet on there because you know it is it was still statistically a bit of a modest game. I don't know that we're gonna ask a lot of him more than that. I mean, we we may in these upcoming games because we may get behind. You have to I, I think you're gonna have to put up some boards against the Cowboys. The, I think the thing that's at home. The, the thing that's missing is can he bring us back whenever we're really in a bad way? That that's something that would be great to see. I mean, he did against the Jets week one. We were really in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, 17, 17 points total. Is that what mm-hmm. the game ended? I mean, that's I'm talking like you know thirty four thirty one kind of comebacks. You know, I, oh, okay, a comeback that ends in a higher scoring. Yeah, yeah, a comeback where you had to do it early and you had to keep doing it and you had to keep doing it and you had to keep doing it and maybe there was a point in time where you were a bit behind and the amount of work you were going to have to do was a day's work in and of itself and you got to do it in a quarter and a half or two or a half of football. I think he might get a shot this week. I think he's against gonna get, the number one offense in football. He's going to get he's going to get shots. Yeah, and number that's, one in, in yards per game, number six in points per game. Those those will move the needle for me. There are other things. There's other things we've talked about this game before we get to Dallas. But do yep. you want do you want to talk any more about Josh Allen, or you think we're good on that? I think I'm good on Josh Allen. I, I think it was it was a perfectly reasonable game. I don't think it was a amazing game. I don't think it was a bad game. It was fine. I, I'm not happy about him trying to throw pick sixes to his left that people won't pick. 
I mean, Josh Allen very easily could have had two pick sixes in the last two weeks throwing to his left if defenders knew how to catch. And I'm not well. They play defense. I'm not for a reason, thrilled right? about that, <laughs> but I think he's playing above my expectation he's level. Play, that's exactly right. It's where still it's still where I am. He is above my expectations. Okay, okay. Before we keep talking about the offense, let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back, and we will we will keep going with what we're into. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the Nick and Nolan Show. I'm Nick Bat. He's I'm Bruce Nolan. He's Bruce Nolan. Just checking, and we He's will, still Bruce Nolan. Okay, we will move on. So the the Josh Allen was great. I'm very pleased with what we saw. I think the more impressive thing on offense for me was the performance of the offensive line because it was such an area of concern for me going into the week, especially against Von Miller. And Von Miller faced up against Cody Ford a lot. Now Von Miller moved to both sides of the formation a lot, which I would like for you to talk about why that would happen because that was not my expectation. If you have Von Miller and you, if you're the defensive coordinator and you have the choice of Von Miller going up against Cody Ford in Von Miller's ordinary alignment, and then you're going to by choice say, no, go over here and go up against a superior opponent in Deion Dawkins. That is a curious choice defensively. It's not just, it's not that binary. It's also putting Von Miller on the side with the tight end. So it's not just making the decision to put Von Miller on Deion Dawkins. It's not, your options aren't Deion Dawkins or Cody Ford. Your options are Deion Dawkins or Cody Ford and Dawson Knox. Also, we chipped with Singletary a couple times and we had tight end on Cody Ford's side. So it wasn't just A or B. It was A plus a tight end or B. In general, how do you feel, just Von Miller, because we're going to talk about the interior of the offensive line in a moment, but just the tackles and or the tight ends, the game plan that Brian Dable, how they wanted to protect Josh Allen from the outside pass rushing. How did how did the Bills do? They did not give Cody Ford as much help as I thought they were going to. There wasn't a ton of double teaming. There was a little chipping and things like that, but they did not help Cody Ford. They did not show Von Miller the I mean, respect or fear or whatever you want to call it that I thought they were going to Cody Ford played well not amazing was it was Bill Miller got an MRI today mm-hmm. I heard on Monday we're recording this early on Monday because the holiday so I, I you think that the knee was a problem maybe a little bit of the mono a little bit of the Sam yeah, Darnold, uh, Sam Darnold thing <laughs> But Cody Ford played well. He got beat a couple times, and it just happened to be that those plays, Josh Allen had already bailed on the pocket and things like that. Cody Ford didn't, like, stonewall Von Miller. He just played markedly better. I would argue that this is the game, this is the first time that Cody Ford has ever played right tackle where I went, hmm, maybe maybe Cody Ford could be a tackle. Is it? It's. I mean, we're eleven weeks in. It's. Uh, is this an? Is this a normal curve? 
like like ramp up to tackle play? I don't think so. And one it's, of the it reasons feels is late. It is late. And the other thing is, remember the thing I didn't like about Cody Ford to tackle was foot speed, right? That's not something that historically, well, if you just give him 11 weeks, it'll get better. You did, asked me did, about that in draft. Did he get quicker? Or was it quick? Was it the length? Was I it felt, the kick step? I felt, and I only rewatched it one time, and I watched Cody Ford every single snap. I felt that Cody Ford was taking a little flatter of a drop out of his stance, and it was allowing him to kind of, kind of get ahead of him a little bit more because Cody Ford's a big strong guy he's like listen I'm not going to get pushed back a lot so if I get a little flatter out of my kick slide then and you get a little head start I'm not really worried about you bull rushing me back into because Cody Ford has an incredible punch okay well you and I talked about this after the draft Cody Ford when he pops you you know it so, so you're coming at Cody Ford full speed, hypothetically. Von mm-hmm. Miller's coming at Cody Ford full speed. He wants to just push Cody Ford into the quarterback and then reach off to the side and grab the quarterback whichever way he tries to break out of Cody Ford's sure. path. Cody Ford is, in in turn, going to get set, and when you come at him, he's going to pop you with his arms. Yeah, he's going to pop you with his arms. He's going to anchor his hips down. Yeah, and and he as he gets pushed down, he's going to anchor down. He's going to sink his hips, and he's going to anchor down Against like you were like you would uh, be playing tug of war almost anchoring down right, and Cody Ford has a violent and stoning punch. Like when he hits you, you stop. Like it's just poof, stop, <laughs> just full stop, right? Which is one of the reasons that makes him such a great run blocker is because Cody Ford will just collapse you, right? My problem with Cody Ford has never been his ability to put his hands on you and cause problems. My problem is when he doesn't get his hands on you. Right, when he doesn't get to pop you. I think people are going to hear this conversation. And they're going to think, oh, my God, was it smart to platoon him? Was it smart to give him the opportunity to watch Ty Inseki and learn? Is Sean McDermott a secret genius and we just don't know it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is, is platooning a, a, ta- a position with a guy who needs to who needs to up some portion of his technique? Is this suddenly smart? I guarantee you, people who want to give the Bills the benefit of the doubt and are optimistic about it are going to say, they're going to they're gonna walk away from this conversation right now thinking that unless you correct them. No. Well, no. you have to break it down. Okay, so... A good result doesn't indicate good process. So if Josh Allen throws a pass and it gets, he throws it off his back foot while being sacked and it gets tipped up in the air and Cole Beasley snags it across the middle and runs for a touchdown. It was a good result, but it wasn't a good process. Just because something ends up well doesn't mean that it should have ended up well. So the platooning, there's a reason why you don't see any other teams do it. Do you think that Sean McDermott is infinitely smarter than Dante Skarnecchia when it comes to offensive line play? No. I mean, there you so, go. So, what? so the reason you don't see platooning is because when you talk about offensive line gelling and communication, when you talk about the levels of communication and chemistry that's necessary between a tackle and his guard in regards to passing off stunting players and understanding double teams and getting to the second level when you know your guys got it, those kind of things take time. And platooning takes away from that time. How do you have I mean we're gonna put a pin in this. This is my last question to you. Do you have any like any way that this makes sense to you? What you like this improvement at this point in time that you're seeing from Cody Ford? 
I don't think it was that significant of an improvement. Okay, okay. But I don't if, think Don Von Miller played that well, and I don't think Cody Ford like shut him out. Cody Cody Ford played well, and Von Miller he, beat him he, a couple he, times. I, I'm not even necessarily talking about Von Miller. I'm talking about Cody Ford playing tackle to a like a desirable like the, that like to that threshold. There was an improvement more than once. We actually blocked Von Miller with a tight end and had Cody Ford down block. That's how little respect. We showed Von Miller. If you block Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack or Miles Garrett or Chase Young in college with a tight end or even a single block, he's getting demolished. That almost feels. That almost sounds like a bad game plan. Well, it's, I mean, like it worked. It worked. But it's like, did you? I mean, unless unless Von Miller lined up across from Cody Ford on the first series and said. Hey boy, my knee hurts. Yeah, <laughs> unless unless that happened, and then he gets on the phone. They go off the sideline at the end of the series, and Josh Allen is on the phone talking to Brian Dable, and Cody Ford snatches it out of his hand and says, "Dabes, I got something for you, uh, Von Miller. I got a hot tip, <laughs> Von Miller. He said his knee hurts. Well, and Cody Ford gave up a speed rush to Von Miller at the very end of the first half, but Josh Allen had ran. Then again, with 13 minutes left to go in the third, he got beat again. And so it's not like Cody Ford was flawless, but it didn't end up hurting us when he got beat. Yeah. It was still one game, and I'm still not ready. I will say this. It's like I said, it's the first time that I looked at Cody Ford and went, oh gosh, wouldn't it be awesome if I was wrong? Sure. Okay. Because having a long term right tackle on this team would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I don't want to go in the offseason looking for a right tackle. And if Cody Ford's that guy, that's very, very exciting. Okay, let's put a pin in this and go to the interior offensive line. Because John Feliciano is my hero of the game. Dude is a stud. I mean, you could talk about Josh Allen. We can talk about Josh Allen. We will talk about Devin Singletary in a moment. We will talk about Trey White. Uh, and, and I think you want to talk about another sweetheart of yours on the I defense do. from this game. So... We will talk about those guys. But for me, for Mitch Morse to go out with a finger injury and for the Bills to basically, it seemed like the way it was sold to us or explained is Mitch Morse could come back if he had to. But it's a finger. It could affect the snap. You know, it, maybe we'll just see if we're going to be OK without him. John Feliciano moves inside. I don't think we missed a beat on protection calls, on on center performance. Spencer Long comes off the bench and plays. I don't think we miss a beat um, uh, from Spencer Long's performance, from John Feliciano's performance. And you you can tell me if this is, you rewatched it. This is a live watch perspective for me. It, it is Brandon Bean and Bobby Johnson and these individual players. I mean, like, I, I could not think higher of them in this circumstance than to have your prized free agent signing, the guy we were more excited about and was more important than John Brown. In, in retrospect, John Brown, maybe we should feel differently about that. But the, the highest paid player at his position, he goes out and there is minimal, minimal interruption in the productivity of that whole shuffle. In addition to the Cody Ford situation we already talked about. I am, I mean, I am bowled over and impressed with this circumstance. Feliciano was an underappreciated signing. And I think this is, this is one of those things where at 11 weeks in this year, we need to take a second and just reflect upon Brandon Bean's 2019 free agent class. Because 
I am looking off the top of my head. I don't think I have ever seen a class from this franchise that had more notable upgrades than this class. There are plenty of free agency periods where we got a bigger name, the Mario Williams free agency, Bryce Pop. These things come to mind, right? But getting two starting receivers, four starting linemen, a running back who contributes meaningfully. They rebuilt the entire offense and with good, with decent players. And a lineman who we lost in, in Adrian Waddle. Right. I mean, we, we had so many linemen that we lost one and it's okay. I just, if Brandon Bean has another one of those off seasons, this off season, the expectation for the Bills next year should be to go into the playoffs and go deep and and really be a contender because his 2019 class, our starting kick and punt returner, who has been fantastic for us. Remember when we had Isaiah McKenzie back there and I was it's, scared he was going to drop the ball every just, time? It's so reliable. It, I don't even worry when Andre Roberts is back there and it's an unusual scenario based on where I was at last year. Brandon Bean deserves a ton of credit. You and I said before free agency back when we were, I'm going to tell on myself here in case you guys always think that Bruce, you know, they don't think this in case you think that I think I'm always right or something like that. I'm (laughs) going to tell on myself back when this was the bills backers pod and no one heard it. I said, (laughs) I said that we have no statistically significant data to indicate that Brandon Bean knows how to build an offense. So our, you know, so all our criticisms, you know, keep us worried. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. We're completely to, wrong. We're getting some. Uh, we're getting some data for completely sure. Completely wrong. If every single free agency, he didn't slam dunk. There was no gigantic big name Le'Veon Bell players. But every single person he got was a player who was a C, who was ready to be a B. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Trent you know, Murphy is the is again still the chicken. Yeah, he's he's he was an exception. But yeah. but we have a. What like a ninety percent hit ratio yeah. on C players ready to be B players? It's like his, Cole Beasley, his, John Brown, yeah. John Feliciano, Mitch Morse was an exception. Obviously, he wasn't that player. Quentin Spain, right? Spencer, but Long. Quentin Spain, Spencer Long, the, all these people, even Tyler Croft. I mean, we're, we're they Andre are, Roberts. They're putting a lot on Tyler Croft for. I mean, Dawson Knox established himself, which I think if he we're, we are going to benefit from that long term. Croft is. Totally suitable. He, he's a decent blocker. Sure, he's he's he hasn't been dropping them. I mean, he's there are no issues with him on the field. I know these weren't Bean selections, but obviously Bean and McDermott are basically one person anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, McBean is what we call you them. You never together. see them both in the same place at the same time, anyway. Right? So, it's, it's just they, an they, alter they, they, ego. They, it's they, like they, Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, but. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were both C players who were ready to become B players. Micah Hyde was like, no, no, I can I can be a starting player. I can play safety. I can I can be a starting safety. And the Bills were like, you're right. We think you can be. John yeah. Brown's like, no, I'm a starting receiver. And the Bills were like, you know what? You're right. We think you can be. Cole Beasley's like, you know what? I can be a number. I can be a starting receiver. I, I can do more than just run five yard in routes. Like, that's not the only thing I can do. And the Bills are like, you're right. Let's do it. And it works out. Why is no one talking about this? Everyone talks about the Ravens, how they rebuilt their team around Lamar Jackson. And that's awesome. They did a great job. They deserve the credit. The 49ers trading for D Ford, going from 
one of the going from the defense that had the worst amount of turnovers in NFL history. The 49ers forced less turnovers than any team ever last year. That's how bad their defense was. And now people are scared of it because they drafted Nick Bosa correctly at number two. They got D Ford. They brought in Quan Alexander. They did what they were supposed to do. I know Quan's hurt, but they, well, they, Ford's hurt too. they rebuilt this team. The, the, the Bills uh, need to be right up there as far as best 2019 off seasons. And if you don't believe it, fight me. I will DM me. I'll send you my address. We will fight. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> about this because Brandon Bean needs the credit and by fight you I mean I, I will send you the address and then you'll show up to that address and I won't show up <laughs> and I'll laugh at you I'll, I'll set up cameras before you get there <laughs> alright yeah I'm really I mean I also want to give Spencer Long a little bit of love dude is a starting caliber guard he is a he is a backup for us he may not be next year it depends on what happens with Quentin Spain mm. But Spencer Long is is it is. I don't remember the last time we had a a guy who could come off the bench who was that caliber. In mm. I mean, to just like this dude is a starter on like twenty five other teams. Yeah, and he got a lot of crap because of how badly. But he, he was, snapped the ball. He, he was, was playing hurt, out of position, and hurt. Yeah, and maybe not out of it. I mean, out of position enough. That whenever the Bills need a center, John Feliciano does it rather than the guy who did it for a season in New York. Right. And, and, you know, people forget that coming out of Washington, he was a big free agent signing for the Jets. Everyone was like, yeah, we got Spencer Long. All right. Yeah. And then they played him out of position and hurt. Failed experiment. And then they're like, oh, well, we're just going to cut him. The Bills were like, no, I think you did that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, you did the Spencer Long thing wrong. Yeah. So we're going to sign him. And we signed him with a three-year deal. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, we have a swing guard at worst for at the worst. next three years. And potentially a starter for the next two because who knows, who what, knows what's going to happen with Quentin, Quentin Spain. Spain. Yeah. You want to stay on offense? Finish out the offense? Yeah, so we we targeted Beasley. I'm excited about that. I'm happy the fact that we targeted Beasley. I, I mentioned to you that I thought Cole Beasley would be the key of the game. And we targeted him in the way we were supposed to. What was it? Do you know do you remember what his stat line was? Six catches, seventy six yards, and a touchdown. It's a good that's a that's a that's a good amount of yards for him. On uh nine targets. And that's great. And John Brown got less targets. It's nice for me to be able to know that we don't have to feed John Brown the ball. We can, and that's great. But if the game plan dictates that we do other things, we can do that. So being able to have, I don't want to say a secondary primary receiver, because that's not true, but being able to have a player who is reliable enough that the game plan can run through them whose name is not John Brown I'm all about what about so I, I I'm glad you feel that way about Beasley I feel that way too I was actually expecting you to talk about Singletary just now well I think we can and I think this is a good way I think this is a good way to close the discussion on the offense okay Singletary career high in rushing yards career high in carries that's going to lead us down this road and one of the things that I want to get a jump start on for this offseason is whether or not we need another running back. Because there's going to be a discussion as to whether or not Singletary can be the workhorse, the primary guy. And I think this is a very nuanced conversation. 
And I think it's really important we get the terminology correctly. Because depending on what you say about Singletary changes the response. I'll give you a great example. Okay, go ahead. I'll give you a great example. What sometimes people say, oh, he's so explosive. No, he's not. Yeah. That's the, we, know, we know. Be, how you feel be about very this. careful about the terminology here. So, for example, if you tell me, can Singletary be a workhorse? Well, yeah, anyone can be a workhorse if you give him 30 carries. Anyone can be a workhorse. So, yes, Singletary can be a workhorse. You might not be a successful workhorse, right. but I will give you many carries. Sure. <laughs> so, that's not the word we should use. Kalen well, Balage. Kalen Balage could be a workhorse. workhorse. <laughs> not a good workhorse. Man, I've been, I've been beating on Kalen Balage. Poor guy is already dead. <laughs> He's already dead. But it's it's one of those things where the, the term that you use is very important. Can he be a feature back? Yeah, yeah he, he already is. He's a feature back now. Can he be a dynamic all-around player? No. He can't because all around implies he can do a lot of things well and Singletary does not have the explosive long speed to break a 60-yard run. Therefore, he's not that. He can't do... The, the running backs you see get drafted in the first round what about lead? are people who can do everything. What about lead back? Sure, anyone can be a lead back. Just the first one that you take out. The first one you take out. What what terminology... What, what is... Uh, who was it? I mean, we almost have to go back, it seems, a generation ago to, to have a team where they had that guy. But the key, the Chiefs had like three of them in a row, Priest Holmes and then Larry Johnson and then Jamal Charles. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you, how would you qualify those guys? I would call them a singular back. Okay. Someone who the offense runs through this back and they are not limited in any way. And you would not describe Devin Singletary that way? No. So then does that put you in the camp of wanting another back? I think we should see how Frank Gore is feeling at the end of this year. And if he wants to come back for another one, I'm completely fine running it back with Singletary, Gore, and Yeldon next year. I'm completely fine with that. Now, you know me. I'm not a running back guy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'm not a spend assets on a running back guy. Right. So that probably is leaning this point. But if Gore doesn't want to run it back... If he says, you know what, I'm done. Sure, let's spend a fourth or a sixth round pick on a running back to compliment Devin Singletary. I'm fine with that. Okay. But what about free agency? Would you would you rather than grab a guy from the bargain bin of free agency with TJ Yeldon money? Would you rather use a draft pick? Yes. Really? I'd rather use a late draft pick than sign a bargain bin free agent, yes. Huh. Just because of money cap? Yeah, it's money efficiencies. We have a lot of cap space. Well, it's never too early to start saving for your future, Nick. We can't re-sign everybody. I know. I know. While we're talking about this, let's have a discussion. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Come on. Let's let's do it. We'll take the break after you do this. Okay? I have people in my comments telling me that they can, you can just re-sign all the players. Okay? You can re-sign Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, extend Milano, extend Trey White, extend Jordan Poyer, Extend Deion Dawkins. No. No. Well, we got 90 million. No. The answer is no. Listen, do you want to be Doug Whaley? Because this is how you get to be Doug Whaley. (laughs) Yeah. You can't extend everybody. You can't sign everybody. You can't get a puppy for Christmas every year. 
That sounds delightful to me. You can the wrong. I'm the wrong person to say that to. If you because I think I can get a puppy for Christmas every year. If you are the child and you and you are the parent of the child, let's say you are the parent of the child and your toddler goes up and sits on Santa's lap, and your toddler says, "I want a puppy," and Santa's like, well, "That's what the kid asked for. Got to do it. That's that's how that's my gig." And then year after year, the family acquires puppies and needs to take care of them, and the child as you would expect, perhaps doesn't have the facility or the faculties to, that doesn't have the faculties to handle that responsibility. That's, you know, that's not exactly ideal household building. I don't think I would allow a 800-year-old Eastern European man to tell me he what looks, I have to get my children for Christmas. He looks so American. Yes, I understand <laughs> that. But he's creepy AF. And he is. Oh man, we're gonna have to get into some Santa talk later on. In the, in the, Santa in the is weeks, creepy. In the Santa is creepy, Nick. Oh, this is good. This is good content. Let's take a break. We will come back talk about the defense. Then we will get into the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you very much for sticking with us. I don't know why Bruce hates Santa. I asked him about it in the break. It's just lots of yelling. That's all it is. It's just lots of yelling and, and upsetness, and he's he had a bad experience at a he shopping mall. He sees you when you're sleeping, it's, Nick. I, the, and he doesn't like that we sing about it. It's There's a whole... We'll get into it. It's like Enemy of the State with Will Smith and Gene Hackman, only Gene Hackman is Santa. That, um, yeah, this is this is what I have, everyone. This is me. This is my life. Would, I, I, I would like to take your attention off of Santa and, tall, and allow you to talk about Matt Milano. I would like to do that, please. Because that is that is a topic I know you will enjoy talking about slightly more than about how bad Santa is. Matt Milano is elite, and we need to resign him to a lot of money this offseason. Is, where is he at in his deal? He has one year left? This is Next his, year is his last year. This is his third year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we do have to sign him the offseason. In addition, if Sean McDermott is going to be the long-term coach of this team, which he very well may be, Linebackers are incredibly important to that defense. It is a linebacker-centric defense. And Sean McDermott has not been known historically for having dynamic edge players in his defenses. And he hasn't been known as being a, 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 a defensive coordinator who necessarily always has dynamic corners. But he's got good linebackers. And it's a linebacker-focused defense and allows linebackers like Matt Milano to shine. And Matt Milano shines in this defense. He is an elite player. He is one of the top three best players on this team. Fight me. And we need to sign him to all the money this offseason. Top three? Really? On the defense, you said? No, on the team. On the t- Okay, so Trey White has to be up there. You're talking about there's only one other player that we could put in that conversation. Yes. Oof. That is... I mean... You're talking okay, so here are just guys off the top of my head. John Brown, Mitch Morse, uh, Jerry Hughes, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, all of those guys, Trey Edmonds, of all those the three best players on this team are Tredavious White, Matt Milano, and Micah Hyde. So that's a all right, that's fine. I'll let everybody else come at you about it. Uh, Why would they come at me about this? Well, I mean, I don't I'm willing to listen. To all of your wrong answers about who would be better than Matt Milano, aside from the people I just mentioned. I don't know, man. John Brown is awfully productive. 
Jordan Poyer, I mean, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, I know, you know, kind of left shoe, right shoe to an extent, but and Micah Hyde is more responsible for more. I, so I, I can get with you there. Trey Edmonds is... Ugh. Trey Edmonds is not as good as Matt Milano. <laughs> okay, there we go. We'll wrap it up. Let's. T- so you, you made the comment about... Um, that in Sean McDermott's defense, he's not known for having incredibly dynamic corners. Well, he has one right now. Yes, he does. Also, um, also give Javis White all the money. So all the money, <laughs> all the Pagula bucks, all the Pagula bucks go in this offseason to Matt Milano and Tredavious White. I want to give props on this appropriately. So Greg Thompson, I'm all Greg, uses Pagula bucks a lot, mm-hmm. and I, I, I mean, every time I would see it, just scrolling through Twitter occasionally, I would crack up because I just, I want to give him fifty bazillion Pagula bucks. Pagula right? bucks, and. I was like, oh man, did you make that? And he goes, no. I, well, he, he said that he did make it, and then he searched it. And back in like 2015 or something, there are all these tweets with hashtag Pagula Bucks. Like Del Reed is throwing around the term Pagula Bucks and stuff like that. And it, he was like, well, I came about. I will say, I came about it genuinely, like under my own thought, but it is not original. However, we reserve the right at the NNN show to usurp all the Pagula Bucks. Absolutely. And if, if that means that Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips have to walk in order to give Tredavious White and Matt Milano all the Pagula Bucks, so be it. Oof. As it is written, so let it be done. I, You know what? The thing about Shaq Lawson, just a quick aside, I understand he had two sacks. He was a good... I mean, one of the plays, he didn't get blocked. <laughs> Both of them, he didn't get blocked. Yeah, I mean, like with the... That could have been Corey Legion. And we're out here talking about Corey Legion. I mean, like, I, I I'm not... I'm not dissing Shaq Lawson. He's having a good year, and I'm sure. happy for him. And he's he's in a contract year. You know, Eric Wood on one of his podcast on his podcast, uh, he interviewed Man- Nick Mangle one time, a center from the uh, Jets for a long time, and they both talked about how playing defensive linemen in a contract year, those guys were possessed, and he said it wasn't like anything else. Like you you couldn't you wouldn't expect them to be the same the next year, and you know Shaq Lawson. He strikes me as a little mercurial. He's 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 got you know some up and down to him. He's got he's got some emotion and, and he gets charged up and sometimes he's not charged up. I, I would be curious what he's like when he's got some security. I had sure. the same worry about Jerry Hughes, and Jerry Hughes has totally, you know, evaporated my concerns. Turns out Jerry Hughes is just crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is fine. If that's the way you are, that's fine. Yeah. I just don't want you to be crazy only because you're in a contract year. I want you to be crazy all the time. I know that you're on the we can't afford Shaq Lawson. Put it back. We're gonna, you know, we're we're not buying Kraft macaroni and cheese here. We're getting save a lot macaroni and cheese. Yeah. So you could just put that back, young man. That is your opinion. Yeah. Shaq Lawson getting two unblocked sacks yesterday doesn't move the needle for me. Sure. I I'm in the same boat. I think that there's a lot of people who they, I don't know. The production is is blinding. Like it is. Sure, but it's the it's the inverse. It's the inverse Ed Oliver argument. Yeah. So Ed Oliver yesterday. Got a big sack there at the goal line that we thought maybe maybe could be in safety, but it wasn't. And Ed Oliver, I'm here to tell you, after rewatching it and looking at the line play, that Ed Oliver wasn't markedly different yesterday than he was at any game previously. He got the sack this time and should have gotten the half sack on Star Latulale's sack. I don't know but about that. You, I, Joe Marino said the same thing. I don't feel that. I way. said that when it was live. Oh, did you? And I said to my wife, I was like, Ed Oliver should get a half sack on that. Oh, Star had it. I mean, he, Ed was just there. But I, that's fine. Go on. 
But the point is that Ed Oliver wasn't different yesterday. He just got the sack. Stop box score scouting, people. Yeah. Ed Oliver was the same guy. He just got the sack, and now everyone's all, oh, man, he's so disruptive. <laughs> so disruptive. I just roll my eyes. Ed Oliver was playing fine before. Ed Oliver is not a bust. Ed Oliver's a good player who's learning his way and will get better as the season goes on because defensive tackle is a slow-developing position. I'm about ready. I'm a little feisty today. We will take a break and let Bruce cool off. We will come back. We will talk about some things that you guys have said about us, which we appreciate very much. It's like a Christmas card or a Thanksgiving card, only it's digital. You ever get an email card? They're the worst, but these are not. So I just delete those things. Bad analogy. Oh, they always want to make you download stuff. It's like a fishing nightmare. Oh. Oh. Real bad, like, pixelated graphics. So there's a bunch of boomers out there with viruses all over their computers. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, boomer. All right, we will be back. Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for this edition (laughs) of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. You don't even want to know what Bruce thinks about Rudolph. You don't even want to know. I love Rudolph. That was I think he's amazing. A joke that we, we were laughing. We come back. People are wondering. Yeah, I'm about oh. to let you sully my name. <laughs> Santa's creepy because he knows when well. you sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, and invades your house without your permission. Rudolph is a wonderful animal that's been enslaved by a dictator to drag him around all night. Absolutely. We would like to talk. To, we would like to give a shout out to some very nice people who have who have said some nice things about us on the iTunes uh, computer mabob. And if you would like to tell us why Santa isn't terrible, or if Santa is terrible, you can give us that horrible take in a five star review on the iTunes store. We would love to hear it. So. I will go first. We've got Mike C. 0205. Thanks, guys. He likes us all, but we are his favorites. That's It's like when you have multiple kids. You love them all. There's a secret favorite. Mike C. was very open about it, which hopefully... Not a secret for Mike C. Not a secret. Okay, go on. I got one from the Moho Riverfish, who did sort of a strange... I think it was an attempted rap. It was a... It may have been, but I'm not going to wrap it because I said that it needed to be of a specific quality, and you got to step up your game. This, this, is, this, this is more of a slam poetry. Yeah, this is slam poetry. So we're, sure. we're going to go ahead and do that, okay? Right, here, here we go. go. Here we go. Nick and Nolan. There once was two men from Ohio who loved the team from the Rock Pilo. They started a podcast where they kicked some analytical ass. Ooh. And the Bills Mafia loves them for it for a good time listen to nick and nolan now at the very end there i didn't realize until i said out loud for a good time listen to nick and nolan sounds like something you'd scroll on a bathroom stall (laughs) (laughs) for a good time listen to nick and nolan yeah yeah thank you sir AMG 102482, love the podcast, best Bills Pack podcast out there, uh, very kind of you to say. See, they say we're logical, I don't know what they're, who they're listening to. I appreciate it, AMG. They're listening to a better podcast <laughs> yeah, than us. Somebody, doppelganger pod. I will gladly take your compliments meant for other people. We got Rochester Nico, who says good stuff. Nick and Nolan are great. 
They make a lot of sense and have great knowledge about the game. Keep it coming, fellas. We will keep it coming. Nico? I've got big boss loss, but the last S is a dollar sign. That's this, this strong. That's a good username play. Real good. Let's see. We're better than what's on Twitter. Yeah, dude. Twitter's tough. <laughs> You're looking for better than that. We've, uh, thank you. The bar is very low. Yeah, we appreciate that. Not a high compliment. Keep the drops and hashtag Mega Josh. Ha- we got a hashtag. We have a hashtag. I also have to give AMG a little bit of a shout out. They want, he says he likes uh, Futurama and Simpsons drops. So mm. here you go, sir. Shut up and take my money. So paying customers since 85, that, that one, I like the username, says, by far the best Bills podcast, can't wait for Wednesday, number one, right above Locked on Bills and Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. So boom, Joe Marino. he's a fan. He's a fan, <laughs> which is awesome. Where's Anthony? Both the Marinos. Yeah. Both the Marinos. Yeah. Yeah, that's Marino right. Brothers. No, I'm the just Marino kidding. Brothers. Um, so oh, God. That's Joe Marino's music. <laughs> the hell is this, J.R.? <laughs> that is one of my favorite sound bites. That was, yes, that was, yeah, that was pretty good. All right. So we have to talk about the Cowboys. We've got about, eh, I don't know, 20-ish minutes left, give or take, maybe 15, maybe 30. I don't know. It depends on how, if, it depends if we talk about Santa anymore. So, He's creepy, Nick. No, I'm not doing it. So the Cowboys have statistically a good offense. Why are they losing? They're incredibly poorly coached. So what does that mean? That means that they're taking field goals when they should be going for it. That's kind of the common, like I hear a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of things. It's not, so the Cowboys will occasionally have games where they'll just inexplicably do dumb things on offense that don't make it, like they're succeeding in spite of some of the stuff that they're doing. And they, they come in with weird game plans on defense sometimes that I didn't necessarily. I remember their game against the Giants that I watched and came out and went, what would you say you do here? <laughs> I was I was just a little flabbergasted. And Jerry Jones knows that it's a problem. He put Jason Garrett on blast. And it it's one of those things where Jer- there's a little bit of that. I did my part. I got you talented players. Now it's on you. I got rid of your offensive coordinator. I got you a better offensive coordinator. I got you a franchise quarterback. I traded for a franchise receiver. I drafted a franchise running back. I have a good offensive line. I got another pass rusher. I have an... I mean, where are the Cowboys weak personnel-wise? If you think about offensive line, no, they have a good offensive line. Wide receiver, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are, are legit. Running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Quarterback, Dak Prescott. Linebackers, Jalen Smith. He's a great linebacker. Defensive ends, Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence. Tight end, Frank Gore. I mean, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, they have good players all over that team. So, Jerry Jones, very rightfully, is going, why are we, why are we six and four? If we're, if if we're like this, why why is this the case? Why won't Jason Garrett's players give him fist bumps when they walk (laughs) off the field? That's... That's another sign that you don't have a very good coach. <laughs> yeah. But in addition, there's this strange disconnect on the defensive side of the board for the Cowboys. I'm far more worried because the defensive side of the board for the Cowboys is just as good as the Broncos. And we put up we put up decent numbers against the Broncos. I'm far more worried about the Cowboys offense versus our defense. 
and specifically, I, I'd like to make a strange connection for you. Everyone knows about Armari Cooper. And we have Tredavious White, and I'm confident Tredavious White can do a good enough job to keep Amari Cooper from being... Yes. This is a question of mine. Yeah. Now, Amari Cooper is a different type of animal. The reason why Amari Cooper is great is not because he's big, and it's not because he's fast. Is it because he shows no emotion? It's because he has unbelievable route running skills. Okay. I I am concerned about that type of player, because that type of thing has a tendency to travel well. It doesn't matter who you play against. If you're a good route runner... You're just a good route runner. He, he he looks like he's not having fun. He's so stoic. He's very stoic. He, look, he didn't look like he was having fun in Alabama either. He's all-time reliever, leading receiver in Alabama. And he's just like, oh, humdy dum, you know, doing my thing, going to hang out over here. I think Tredavious White can do a good enough job. My concern is Michael Gallup. I'm, my concern is their number two receiver against Levi Wallace, who played well, by the way, last week, and Kevin Johnson. Every time Michael Gallup goes for 100 yards... Dak Prescott goes for 400. Hmm. Every time. There's a direct correlation between Michael Gallup going for 100 yards and Dak Prescott throwing for 400 yards. Is it that they're playing a bad defense? (laughs) I mean, they did it. I don't think so. There doesn't seem to be a connection there. Now, that's an interesting thing because what that tells me is... is, is, is Amari Cooper still the guy yes. that, that Trey White shadows? Yes. Okay, so Gallup is still going to get our second best yes. opportunity. Okay. Yeah, it, that, that's one of those things where I'm not saying that Michael Gallup is more of a threat. I'm saying that one of the things that's a symptom of the Cowboys dropping a bajillion yards the, on the, you. Them feeling themselves. Yeah. Is having a second receiver who can break out. And they have one. Against a corner who has been under fire as of late, Levi Wallace. And so that's my concern. So my matchup of the week last week was Cody Ford against Von Miller. This week is the Bills' number two corner, probably going to start off being Levi Wallace, against Michael Gallup. Yeah. I'm concerned. We talk about the free agent stuff. Kevin Johnson deserves to be in there because we have, if if Levi struggles, you can put a guy out there who is, um, again, he's better than most teams second outside or third outside corner. I, I agree. Mean, really great, big time. So, okay. Zeke Elliott, you didn't, I mean, you mentioned him. Zeke Elliott is not what makes that offense go. No? No. He used to be, but that's not the case this year. Because of the offensive coordinator change? Yeah. And because Dak Prescott decided to be a league MVP. I mean, Dak Prescott is right up there. It's the hip, it's the hip dance. It is the hip dance. My hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension. Don't you see, baby, Shakira, this is perfection. Shakira. Right? I often lie, you know, my hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel you, boy. <laughs> so are you saying it is the hip dance then? Yeah, it's the hip dance. Okay. Um, that's one of those things where Ezekiel Elliott is a concern. But he's not what makes that offense go. Dak Prescott and the passing game is what makes that offense go. It's the reason why they're number one this year. How do you imagine our defense, which seems to have come back? We had a terrible showing for a while, and now we've gotten our footing again. Against subpar offenses, right? So... How do you feel this is going to go? I mean, not we, great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Oh, do we 
do we have a fighting chance? Is there a yes. Is there a schematic approach that you hope that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier install, and that they're they're going to use this week? Is it bracket gallop? Is it what? What do you? Is it manufacture pressure? Is it the Trey Edmonds blitz machine again? I think if it's been working, one of the things that blitzing does for you is it doesn't even necessarily get your blitzer home, but it might let someone else get home. So the reason why Shaq Lawson was unblocked is because the offensive line didn't account correctly for the number of players coming versus the number of blockers they had. And if you want to make it easy on an offensive line, just send four. Show four, send four. Every time. And as we've gotten later into the year, we're realizing that works if you have the four up front that, quite frankly, it doesn't matter. They're going to get home because they're that good. No deception necessary. That, but that's not that's real, not our front four. Sure, I agree with that. Sean McDermott, though, historically has not been the blitzer. I mean, and he, but he also hasn't been the guy with huge stat numbers. So, mm-hmm. so what? What? I mean, that's what you said makes sense if Sean McDermott hadn't been doing this for twelve years. You know, so so why is there? Are they just kind of did they stumble upon it in one game plan? And he's like, learning, and they're like, oh, that <laughs> you are blitzing shit that everybody else does. <laughs> you, <laughs> there's some good stuff there. Sean McDermott also didn't have two linebackers who blitzed as well as, as Milano, yeah. Milano and Edmonds. Yeah. Milano and Edmonds are both very very good blitzers, and yep. we're starting to use them in that capacity, and we should. Matt Milano can rush the passer. Tremaine Edmonds can really cause problems in the middle coming up the gut. It's one of those scenarios where those people coming doesn't mean those people get home. Those people coming might mean Shaq Lawson gets unblocked or Ed Oliver gets unblocked. Is is, is this is this how you think the Dallas offense could be, you know, limited? Yeah. The Jets blitzed them quite a bit. Are you worried about are they and they that was a big loss for the Cowboys? Are you worried about Zeke? Having a big day against our rush defense, which has been known to be suspect. Absolutely. Absolutely, I am. So you don't seem to have a whole lot of solutions. (laughs) You have some worries. (laughs) You can try to blitz, and you can hope that Levi and or Kevin Johnson keep up with Gallup. And uh, that's that's your homework assignment. (laughs) There it is. That's what you feel? Yeah. It's a slow nod. I think... I think we should stay aggressive against the Cowboys because I don't think we have the front four that can get the pressure necessary. How does Dak on their deal own. with pressure? Dak has historically been fine against pressure, but the problem is if you let him and specifically if you let Michael Gallup go for three and a half seconds against Levi Wallace, he'll light you up. Okay. And I need Dak Prescott to make quick decisions because Dak Prescott doesn't make bad decisions with no pressure. That's not something that happens very often. You don't see Dak sitting there in the pocket and then make a terrible decision. All the bad decisions he makes are via pressure. Now, pressure is always better than no pressure, but specifically Dak Prescott is having the kind of year where if you don't get pressure on him, you're done. It's over. You you sound a little you sound a little skeptical that we are just going to get coverage sacks that we are just going to lock down on the on the coverage and Dak is going to be looking around looking around looking around can't find anybody that I'm very skeptical of that. yeah you don't yeah, okay it's right. because of Gallup 
Okay. It's not because of Amari Cooper. Now, Amari Cooper is a is a good receiver, but one of the things about Amari Cooper is that Amari Cooper is not one of those players where the longer it goes into a play, the worse it gets. Amari Cooper's great strength is Amari Cooper's ability in and out of his breaks to maintain speed while keeping change of direction. So Amari Cooper runs just as fast in a straight line as he does when he's doing a double move because he, he, he gets his hips low, he breaks in and out. Every single route looks the same. You look at Amari Cooper, every single route, his first three steps look exactly the same. It doesn't matter what it is. It looks exactly the same. So you're like, I, I got nothing. And then he'll break in and you're like, do I bite on this? Do I not bite on this? If I bite on this, I'm going to look like Chris Harris and he's going to go over the top of me. But once, no tell. once he's broken, right? He's broken down and he's, he's into the actual route now. It's not a double move. It's not one of those things where he's going to flat out just run by you run i mean he is a fast player right but some of his injuries have sort of sapped a little of that long speed and amari is not one of those people where i'm worried about just straight down the field speed amari cooper gets separation very similarly to the way cole beasley does the difference is amari cooper is just an infinitely more talented physical specimen than cole beasley is so my concern is not if he sits back there amari cooper is going to find his way open or physically out muscle Tredavious White or any of those things. My concern is if he does that, Michael Gallup's going to take advantage of Levi Wallace in a very, very, very unsavory way. Ooh, unsavory. Very good. Bonus points. High Scrabble score, sir. Okay. Thank you. Triple word score. Let us go to the offensive side of the ball for the Bills, defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. Every single time Josh Allen throws for 60% or more completion percentage this year, the Bills win. That's a weird, weird stat. Is it? Yeah. It sounds the like Bills it's a desirable are thing. No. When Josh Allen throws for 60% or more completions. That's how do you, really how, weird. How do you make Josh Allen have less completion percentage? If you're a defense and you're trying to get that, I think you play a lot of man. I think that the Bills receivers have struggled against a man when they have significant corners. I think if you I think if you play Beasley more, which you were doing now, that helps you beat man. But earlier in the year, when Beasley wasn't on the field and John Brown was up against a really good corner, they didn't have anyone out on the field who was beating man. Yeah, it was Zay Jones and John Brown. Right. Now... The Bills' struggles against man have started to kind of lessen a little bit because they've got two people on there who can beat man with Beasley and Brown. And so the Jadobia Woozy is a good player. I like him. I imagine he'll see a lot of John Brown. And the linebackers that Dallas has, Jalen Smith can can move. Leighton Vanderesh? Yes. Him? Is he hurt? He was hurt. Uh he was hurt last week. Side note, Leighton Vander Esch sounds like a character from Gossip Girl. Oh, very much so. Yeah, right? Funny. Or uh, My wife's what is Gossip it? Girl. What, what what uh, Pretty Little Liars? Either one. Yes. So. Anything on the CW. His neck injury kept him out against the Patriots. And we'll just, we'll just see. We don't know yet. We'll uh, we're recording this on Monday. Again, I will so. say this. They said they didn't think it was career-threatening. Oh, so Jesus. the fact that they said that makes me think that maybe he won't play. Yeah. 
Good lord. Okay, we're going. Uh, whew. I don't think he's going to die. Oh. I it's just a, thought it was. I thought his shin was bruised. It's a, it's a little bit like I'm going to start using that now. Every single time my wife asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to say I don't think it's fatal. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. Like, oh man, sweetheart, I'm not feeling very well. Oh, what's wrong? I just, I, you know, my stomach's a little upset. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay though. I don't think it's fatal. <laughs> We're going to use that. But Jalen Smith can move, and he can cause length issues in the middle of the field. So it's going to be really interesting to see what. What they're gonna look like? Are, are the Cowboys a, a team that's gonna try to play? Do you think they'll play man a lot? Or what? Do, I mean, do we know really? What I think they do? will play I mean, man. You said, you said they make weird decisions. They do make weird decisions. <laughs> so they may just be like that'll yeah. be. That's exactly what they'll be expecting. Yeah, they, they may pull a Brian Dable <laughs> against the Browns and be like, "Yes, I know they've struggled versus man, and that's great, but that's just what they'll be expecting us to do." Maybe we ought to turn on the searchlights now. Oh just what they'll be expecting us to do. I mean, maybe that's what they'll do. I don't know. But if I were them, I would say, listen, I'm going to play man until they make until they make him beat me. And I'm going to bring pressure against Josh Allen. And I'm going to still keep showing him. I'm going to keep showing them cover zero looks. And I'm going to bring pressure. And because the previous teams who did it weren't as talented as this team. And so they're going to say, yeah, I know that he found ways around it recently. Yeah. But he was doing it with less talented people. That sounds, yeah, that's true. If I was a Dallas Cowboy defensive coordinator, I'd say, listen, I know you're you're starting to find answers for cover zero and pressure. I get it. But that was against the Dolphins. John Brown cooked the Dolphins corner for lunch. Chidobi Awuzie is not. That guy. Well, the reason that he cooked the Dolphins' corner for lunch is because that Dolphins' loner, that Dolphins' corner had previously been serving lunch at the cafeteria. Exactly. Before they signed, and him. will very likely be there this <laughs> yeah. off season after that, he's done. But well, they have. You said they were going to try to bring pressure. They're going to show pressure, bring pressure, cover zero. That they have the horses to bring pressure. They do. I am worried about Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence. I'm much more worried about Demarcus Lawrence than I was about Von Miller. Because we're not going to be able to. There were times, like I said, there were times when the Bills didn't show a tremendous amount of respect for Von Miller. They can't down block and leave a tight end on Demarcus Lawrence. Unless you're literally running the play away from him and you're like, just chase me on the backside, right? Just chase me down. We're going to play tag. You're it, right? Unless you're going to do that, I don't think the same game plan is going to work against Demarcus Lawrence that worked decently against Von Miller. Also, Von Miller was, like we said, probably hurt, and he looked a little disinterested, I'm not going to lie. But Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn, who has found a, a career resurgence in Dallas after playing not-so-great Bob for the Dolphins this past year, he's found kind of a resurgence. He's had kind of a an underappreciated year for Dallas, I think. And... So the Bills are going to have to hold up on the edges. We could be talking a completely different story about that Bills offensive line next week. Bills win if. Well, I guess Bills win if Allen has 60% completion percentage. Yeah. No. Um, Bills win if. Dallas scores less than 20 points. I'm going to say Bills win if they find the deep ball. I really think that um, I understand Dallas can put up points, but I just 
I, well, I guess we have a chance if we get the deep ball, right? They're a good offense. You could potentially just expect them to be productive. And maybe the only way we're going to try to keep up with them or going to be able to keep up with them is if we have some deep ball. So uh, Cowboys win if. The Cowboys win if. Dak Prescott throws for 275 yards or more. I'm going to say Cowboys win if they win the turnover battle. I think turno- I think turnovers would really sink our battleship in this game. That's a good one. I don't think that's we, a better one than the thing I said. I don't. I don't think that we can give them more opportunities on offense. It's I, it could be stride for stride. So, well, here we are, eight and three, about to go try to sneak away from all of our family obligations on Thursday to watch and get moments of watching the Bills game. If you're like me and I'm the only one in the household who cares about the game, that will be uh, my task and the cross I must bear on Thursday. I agreed to go to my brother's specifically with the mark that he let me watch the Bills game and not disturb me during it. (laughs) Not disturb me. Yeah. I would not have agreed to go otherwise. Yeah. It's I don't love my brother as much as I love the Bills. I mean, oh, it's just, you know. There you go. I'm kidding. Please, please don't hate me if you're listening to this. <laughs> He's not listening to this. No. He's an Eagles fan. He's not yeah, listening he to this. He doesn't care. God loves Ben Solak. You kidding me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, 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 will, we will be back with you next week. So it's going to be a bit of a time between the game and when you see us again. It's going to be the heart. Ma- absence makes the heart grow fonder. So I think, I think we'll be okay. But uh, let us know what you think of the pod. We'd love to hear from you. We absolutely makes our week. And uh, like I say, they're like weird digital greeting cards, only better. And until next time. Santa's as, creepy. As you go, stop. As, as we go into the holiday where you are going to be forced to talk religion and politics with people you know you disagree with and nobody's reasonable, I have one word of wisdom for you, and it is this. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work.